0: Well, good morning, Hamilton Mill. We're in the middle of our series four, and it's all about the heartbeat of our church. But also, we're on a bigger mission than just for Hamilton Mill Church. We're we're, we're here to help change the perception of the church at large and North America. And the reason is because we have the greatest message ever. And it's this message we talked about last week. God is for you, and so are we that's it. That's such a simple message. And it's based off of a statement the apostle John made. He said, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. And so just like for God so loved the world, he sent Jesus. Well, where we ended last week was for God so loved Hamilton Mill. He sent us. Because you see the issue with that we were talking about last week is the church in North America is actually declining. And the reason is because we've outsourced the marketing of it. We, and when I say we, I'm talking about the church in general, not just here, but we have outsourced the marketing. And because of that, the message has actually been seen as negative and the perception is becoming negative of the church. And so we need to be the ones to take the message. Just like Jesus gave the mission to his disciples, it's our job to now carry the vision and continue the mission to our community, to Hamilton Mill and beyond. So th- that's what this series is all about, is how do we continue to carry that vision and continue the mission so we can help the church in North America move from decline to growth. And we we here, specifically at Hamilton Mill Church, are going to do it in three ways. Number one, We're going to be for those far from God. That's what we talked about last week. And what that looks like is whether you're watching online or you're in the room, it doesn't matter. You can belong way before you believe, if you ever believe. We hope that you can know that we are for you, that God is for you, and so are we. Whether you're de-churched, unchurched, you're deconstructing, you're an atheist, or you just don't believe in anything, we hope that you can know that God is for you, and so are we. And then we also want to be for the community. And we're going to talk about that today. And then next week, we're going to end with being for the next generation. We want everyone from little babies, little sweet little babies, all the way to young adults to know that someone, that we are in their corner. That's our whole goal. That's where we're going uh, for the series. And today specifically, before I continue, I actually want to ask you two questions, and these two questions are very important. The, I've used them a lot for years in my own life to help me understand uh, purpose, to understand where I want to lead my family, but also for this church, we've used it. And many, uh, many organizations have used these two specific questions. And when you take the time to answer these two questions, it'll help you grow to become who you want to be. The first question is this, what do you want to be known for? What do you personally individually, specifically, want to be known for. What, what's, what do you hope people say when you're not in the room or behind your back? You can even go as far as what do you hope people say at your funeral about you? Uh, I'm a huge fan of Steve Jobs' leadership. He was the founder of Apple. And he describes it this way. He says, we're here to put a dent in the universe. <laughs> Otherwise, why even be here? He saw this as what's our dent in the universe. What's the reason you exist? What's your purpose? You can go high level and go, what's your purpose? Why, what, what, why are you even here on this earth? What, what hope are you going to bring? What are you gonna, how are you going to contribute to the earth? And I hope you come up with that, like a, pers- a purpose statement, a vision statement, something like that. But let's also bring it down. Like, I want you to do that. But also, let's, let's have a more realistic understanding. What kind of spouse do you want to be? How do you want to be known by your friends? What kind of leader do you want to be? How do you want to be known by your employees or as, uh, by your employer? How do you want to be known as a leader? What do you want to be known for? Now, that's the first question. The second question is a little more challenging. And here's, here it is. What are you known for? What do people actually say about you behind your back when you're not in the room? What, when people talk about you, how do they talk about you? What do they say? See, the hard part about this question is most of us don't know. <laughs> we don't know really the answer to this question. Now, there is a way to find out. It's a little dangerous. But you can ask the people around you, what's it like to be on the other side of me? Oh, just be ready. Because <laughs> if you're like me, there's a gap between those two questions, right? If you've got issues, there is a gap. Now, if you're in here, and you don't have a gap between those two questions, great. You have my permission to play Wordle the rest of the time during this message, all right? But for the rest of us, there's most likely a gap between what do I want to be known for and what am I actually known for? And that gap is what our goal is, is to, when you start shrinking that gap, that's how you grow as a person. When you start getting people to talk about the way you want them to talk about you, because that's essentially your reputation. This is why this is a big deal to answer these two questions personally, But also, this is something that many businesses and orgs we're a part of talk about as well. Because they understand that the difference between these two questions, the the gap between, between these two questions, if it's so significant, they have a bad reputation, right? But they also, businesses understand if you can shrink that gap or even remove that gap, you harness the world's greatest form of advertising positive word of mouth advertising. Because you see today, it's not what you tell customers you are, is what they talk about. No, it's what customers tell other customers what you're like, why they would do business with you, why they love doing business with you, why you, they think you care about them, right? Why your organization is not shady. That's the reputation you want, is one that bridges that gap so that there is no gap anymore. And the reason we want to do that personally is also is because we want people to speak well of us. So organizations want that. Personally, we want that. But so does the church. So that's why we ask this question here constantly. It's why the church at large needs to ask this question is, what do we want to be known for? Well, we know the answer. It's we have the greatest message ever. God, loves, God is for you and so are we. And that you can have a relationship with your heavenly father. That he loves you. He's not angry with you. And he wants a relationship with you. But what's the church actually known for? We talked about this last week, being hypocritical, being angry, being judgmental, being political. And because of that, these stats are true. That 54% of churches are in moderate or significant decline. That's one out of every two. And only 33% of churches report some or significant growth. Only one out of three churches reports growth. Not us, by the way. We're doing great, thanks to you. All right, we're doing good. But we're talking about the church in North America, the church at large, even the global church. There's this perception. And we can't fix it with a marketing campaign, even though we have a brand image problem. Like I can go and we can go put up billboards across the city. God is for you, and so are we. Is that gonna work? Most likely not, because that's not what started the problem. It wasn't the message the church was giving. The problem is because of individuals within these churches, right? So that means that's how we fix the perception is individually, we have to help change that. We have to be the ones to do that by shrinking the gap personally. And that's what I wanna talk about for the rest of our time together. And to do that, I wanna look at something Jesus said because he told us how we can do that, but what we can be known for. Now, the problem is it's a little controversial what Jesus says. And you might have a rub when I get to that statement, but hold on with me, I'll explain in a second because he says it in the middle of his most famous sermon ever, the Sermon on the Mount. And let me give you a visual of where he gave this message. Watch this. I got a chance to visit. This is the Sea of Galilee. This is in northern Israel. Gorgeous, isn't it? And so you can imagine Jesus is speaking, and all the people are sitting here with this as the backdrop watching him. And they know what Jesus is about. They, they, they know who he is. They've heard about him because Jesus spent most of his ministry, if you read the gospel writers, the biographers of his life, Most of it was not in Jerusalem two hours away. Most of it was right here around this big, it's the Sea of Galilee, but it looks like a giant lake. And this is where he did miracles. And this is where he started his ministry and really grew his following. So these people knew what Jesus is about. So when he said these things, they knew where he was coming from. And so the author Matthew tells us what Jesus said. He says this, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, How shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. So Jesus is looking at his followers, everyone listening to him on this hillside with the Sea of Galilee behind him. And he uses this metaphor to describe them and he says, You guys are salt. You are the salt of the earth. And salt, if you know what it does, it enhances anything that it's put on, it enhances the flavor. It's the reason I love bacon so much. It's so salty. I love salt. I'm like, I love sodium. Give me more of it. I put it on everything. Uh, I'm not looking forward to when I get older and I cannot have sodium in my diet anymore. So right now I'm making up for it by how much salt I put on things. It's an ungodly amount. And, but, but salt enhances and makes everything more flavorful. It reminds me of the movie Ratatouille, right? If you ever seen this movie, it's, it's, a, it's a story about rats. Stick with me. I know. Just stick with me. There's two rats, Remy and Emil. And, Emil, and Emil's, his Remy's brother, is just eating, and he's just eating to eat. And Remy's like, you don't understand. It'd be so much better with salt. It'd be so much better with flavor. So he puts a little bit on, and he seasons it. And then we see what happens in Emil's mind as he's eating, and it's glorious. That's me and salt, all right? That's me and food in general. If you just see me eat, I just love to eat. Anyways, this is what Jesus is talking about. You are the salt of the earth. You, as my followers, are here to enhance, to make better. This place we live in is made better because you are here. But also salt doesn't just make things better. That's, that's, just, that's not just it. Salt also with too much creates a thirst for, it, right? And he's saying you make it better, but also you create curiosity. You create a desire for something. You create a desire for what you have that other people can have. And it's that life we have, that relationship with our heavenly father that gives us that full life Jesus talks about. And he says, that's why you're here. And if you don't do that, then why are you here? You're good for, are you, you, it is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Jesus is saying, if you're not living this kind of life, living this way, then you're like what Steve Jobs says, why even be here? Then he continues on and he says, you are the light of the world a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. So he leaves the metaphor of salt and he moves over to another metaphor of light. And Jesus, and throughout scripture, light is commonly used to contrast darkness. Darkness is a life full of anxiety, uh, full of hurt and pain, a life with no hope, a life with no purpose. Whereas Jesus says, you are the light. When you have light, you bring hope You bring peace. You bring joy that goes beyond all understanding. You give people a better way of living, but also you give hope because they have a relationship with their heavenly father. And so he's saying, you are the light of the world. You're the salt and you're the light of the world. And he says, a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. And that picture I get when I read that statement is this intersection right here. It's such a busy intersection. And my hope and our hope as a church is that every time someone drives, they see us as a city on a hill and light coming. It's a beacon of hope that is for our community, that they are so glad we are here, that they hope we never leave. And it's because the people within it are amazing. They're different. They love and are for our community. That's our hope. That's what I think of when I read that. And then Matthew continues to explain what Jesus said. He says, nor do people light a lamp And put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. Jesus is talking about how this light that you have should not stay hidden. You should not hide it under a basket. No, I'm gonna let it shine if you grew up in church and know that song, right? Jesus desires for us to be seen, bringing light, bringing hope and peace to everyone. We should not be hiding it, who we are and what we're about. He's saying we need to make sure that we give light to everything and everybody wherever we are. And then he finishes the statement. And this is what I was talking about earlier. In the same way, so based on everything he just said, let your light shine before others. Make sure people know of this light you have, this light for your love for Jesus, so that they may see your good works, so that they see your good works and they see which, the good you're doing. And it is good works because we're all called to do good works and give glory to your father who is in heaven. So basically, Jesus is looking at his disciples and he's saying, it would be ridiculous for you all to hide your good deeds from the world. Instead, you need to shine your light so bright and live in that righteous way that I desire, by the way you give, by the way you serve, by the way you love, by the way you extend grace so that you are making visible the invisible father, the father that you love, the father that you have a relationship with. But here's the problem with this verse. When you read this, I don't know if you're like me, but even our team had struggled with this verse. You might be in one of two camps. You might be seeing this and saying, wait, 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 wait. I thought we're not supposed to show our good works. I thought we're not supposed to boast about the good things. And you might be in that camp where you're over here and you're like, I thought we're supposed to just do good and keep it to ourselves. Not boast or post about it, right? We're not supposed to do that. In fact, in Matthew, in Matthew 6, later on in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus even says, when you give, don't let the light, left hand know what the right hand is doing. We're not supposed to boast. We're not supposed to post, We're not supposed to do any of those things. Or you could be on this side, on this camp, when you're like, everyone should know. Everyone needs to know the good that we are doing, that I am doing, that everyone, I need. It. we need to post about all our mission trips, all the help we give to the community, all the things we do. We need to make sure everyone knows what the good we are doing. So which camp are you in? I guess maybe the better question is which one's the right camp to be in, right? Should I be on this one? Should I be on this one? The answer is actually both. Let me explain. The action step Jesus gives is let your light shine. That's the only action he tells us to do in this statement. Do you notice that? If you let your light shine before others, then they will see your good works. See, if you're focusing on your love for Jesus and letting your light shine, you can't help but do good things. You can't help but to serve, give love, and extend grace. You just can't. It'll naturally come out because even James, the brother of Jesus, says faith without works is dead. And when they see your good works, it'll give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So over here, I talked about don't let the left hand let the right hand know what it's doing, right? In that statement, Jesus was talking about these people who would give to the poor and needy or to the temple. And here's what they would do. Hey, everybody, look what I just did. I gave all this money to the temple, to this person. Look at me. You see where it's going? Who's getting the recognition? Me. The point of this is to give glory to your father who is in heaven. Basically, what he's saying is everyone needs to know what you're about. Who are you pointing to? Yourself or your father in heaven? I love the way uh, C.S. Lewis puts it. He puts it this way. He says, don't shine so others can see you. Shine so that through you, others can see him. Do you see where I'm going with this? Basically what I'm asking or what we need to ask ourselves is what's our motivation? Is it you or him? What's your goal? For you to get more followers or for him to get more followers? Who's trying to get the glory? You or him? And that's the goal. is like, what's the reputation you're trying to come across and what do you want to be known for? You or him? And this, and see, if you focus on the light, if you focus more on li- letting your light shine, here's what happens. These two seemingly disconnected metaphors, salt salt, and light actually come together. Because if you focus on your light, people are going to become curious. People are going to know, what, wait, why are you giving like that? Why are you serving like that? Why are you loving like that? Why are you showing them grace like that? And they're going <clears> to <throat> want what you have. They're going to become curious. It's going to entice them to want to know more about this God you serve, this relationship you have with your heavenly Father. Because you realize you aren't about you. And they realize you aren't about you. You're about something greater than you. That this is who you are. Like this is just your natural inclination. It's not something you do. You don't just do good. You don't focus on doing good works. You are who you are and it just happens. And it's not for self-promotion. It's not for your own glory. It's not even for our church's glory. It's not even for Hamilton Mill Church. It's only for the glory of our heavenly father. And it's an overflow of the light you have. You know who does this really well is the Cathy family. The Cathy family are the owners of Chick-fil-A. And it started all the way back with Truett Cathy. And Truett Cathy, when he started Chick-fil-A, his whole goal was to do something more than build a conglomerate, a giant business. In fact, here's the purpose statement of Chick-fil-A. To glorify God by being a faithful steward of all that is entrusted to us. To have a positive influence on all who come in contact with Chick-fil-A. Why does Chick-fil-A exist? To glorify God and to be a positive influence. Oh, and by the way, we sell chicken. It's pre bus food, but they still sell chicken. That's their whole goal. That's their whole mission statement. In fact, Dan Cathy uses the verses I just showed you in his vision for the organization. He talks about it constantly. And as a result, when this started years ago, they started with service projects. They started with helping their community. And now it's grown. Now they have foundations that support multiple nonprofits. They give many of their employees scholarships to go to college. They even started uh, Winshape, which helps people, uh, I'm trying to remember what they said. It helps people connect with their heavenly father to have the life that Jesus wants them to have. So they've got marriage retreats, student camps, and they even do team building to get to that point. Because that's their mission. It's not just to sell chicken. It's to glorify God and to be a positive influence on their community. That's not only only their mission. It's also our mission. Because you see, for far too long, the church has been known for what it's against. We want to be known by what we're for. And we are for Hamilton Mill. We want to be known by what we are for, and we are for Hamilton Mill. You see, the reason so many people have said no to Jesus is because the church has said no to them. So we need to show them that God is for them, and so are we. And it starts with this map. It starts right here. This is us. I showed this last week. This is all the area we're reaching, over 300,000 people. Now, Your community might not be in Hamilton Mill. I know it's not Hamilton Mill proper, but this is what we consider Hamilton Mill when we say for Hamilton Mill. Your community might be somewhere else. And so for you, it's what does being for your community look like? For us, we hope that if we were ever to talk about shutting down, God forbid, that people would say, no, no, you can't. If you shut down, our community loses. We hope you will never leave. And we believe a thriving community is made up of three things. We believe a thriving community is made up of well-supported nonprofits, profitable local businesses, and solid schools. If all those things are in play, we have a thriving community, which leads to thriving families. And so let me explain each, and, each one of those. So the first one, nonprofits. You might have seen them as you came in the lobby. We, we invited them here so you can get, become a part of it. But one of them is the North Gwinnett Co-op. This is, we believe that there's food insecurity in our community and we want to do something about it. This is why we do a food drive every single year with the North Connect Co-op to help them. Uh, We also, we're also for local businesses. We try to tell you guys to go eat at local businesses to support them uh, so that they know you are for them. Uh, But for us as a church, it's the reason we go to Ray's and gets donuts every single week, which is across the street. And most of our staff members who walk in there, they know us by name. It's the reason we put Tradewinds on this shirt on the back with all the other icons from our community. Because go meet Christian, the owner. He knows us and we do business with him all the time and we send people there. You'll In fact, you'll see a lot of people here go working there a lot. And it's the reason for we send you to Dairy Queen once a year over the summer and overwhelm their staff because our whole church goes at the same time. It's because Sadiq, who's over there, and I are good friends. Not because I want anything from him, just because we as a church support his local business. It's a chain, but he is a local operator. And then last but not least, schools. First of all, besides just schools just need to be supported in general, because it's hard to be a teacher right now. It's hard to be in education right now. Like it is hard. So our heartbeat is to really support schools. And we do that by maybe some, some of them we sponsor. But one story is last semester, um, we found out that the JV football team of second year High School, that they would stay late to their games, the students would, and wash their jerseys so that the next day on Friday, the varsity team can use them. And when we found that out, we said, we we can help. We can do something about that. And now the JV team loves us (laughs) because they don't have to stay late after a game anymore because the varsity team has their own jerseys. And it's simple, it's small, but it helps the community know we are for them. It's just some, some little things we do. It's the other reason we do Be Rich, our annual generosity campaign, where we get together with our local network of churches and our global network of churches. Oh, And last year, we raised over $8 million. How amazing is that? And 100% of that was given away. It was given away globally, but also is given away right here in our neighborhood. And if you've been here, you've seen how that is a tremendous impact for our community and how it helps our nonprofit organizations. And the reason we do that, why do we do that? Is so people will see us as salt and light in our community. And they will see our good works and glorify, not Hamilton Mill Church, our Father who is in heaven. That's what we desire, to be salt and light to our community. And that's what I hope you desire. I hope you desire that. I hope that's what, one of the things you want to be known for. And so I want to give you three simple ways to do that, uh, to ways to be for the community. The first one, support our community. I just want you to support this community. Here, uh, let me give you some examples. Here's what this looks like. Go to 5Ks and run them or walk them, either way, right? Because they're usually for a good cause, Go, if you want to sponsor them, sponsor them as well, right? Support our community. If you own a local business or you own an organiz- a part of an organization that has a marketing budget, sponsor a school, right? Sponsor a sports team in a school. So that's how you support our community. Another way you can support our community is by going to the same place frequently and get to know people there. Get to know names. Let them see your shirt and they could a- let them ask about it. And you could say, well, God is for you and so are we. Or God is for you and so am I, right? Support local businesses, support our community. The second way after supporting is serving. Serve. So one of the best ways to do that is to serve in a nonprofit. That's why we've got some of that out there in the lobby. Oh, and by the way, when you serve somewhere, don't just serve one time. Build a relationship. Learn about them. Get to know what they're fighting and what they're trying to help our community for. And jump in. So when you serve, it's not just some organization, there's a story, there's faces, and you'll know you're making a difference. So you can do that in nonprofit, you can do that with a school, you can do that with any community events that are happening, right? Now, this third one, before I put it on the screen, I got to warn you, you're going to read it and you're going to be like, ah no. You're going to be like, I'm confused, this is way too hard, there's no, let me explain it before you go there, because it's actually easier than you think. And it's so fun. Like it is so fun. Support, serve, surprise. See what I mean? It's weird. Let me explain. This is so fun. What if this week or every week or whenever you got in the drive-through line and paid for the car behind you? Now make sure you look and see it's not a soccer team, but like make sure like when you do that and you have your magnet or your sticker on your window, what's going to happen? I've seen that before. I've heard about that before. Why are they doing that and not even trying to talk to me or give me a message? Do you see where I'm going with this? It creates that salt, that desire, because you're being light, and they'll see your good works and hopefully glorify your Father in heaven. Isn't that fun? Okay, let me give you another example. What if you got together with your community group and paid down a school lunch debt? What would happen? People will be going, this is weird. This is not normal. It's a surprise, Right? Okay, this last example, just stick with me, okay? Just stick with me. What if when you leave your car in a parking lot and you're going to a business or going to a store and you see trash on the way and you actually pick it up and throw it in the trash? I'm sorry, I know, it's weird. It's totally weird. But what happens if that business owner sees you and you walk into the store and be like, what, 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 who does that? Why would you do that? Why would you care so much about how the parking lot looks as if people come into my business? Can you imagine what would happen? People will start asking you going, why are you so loving? Why do you care so much? Why, do you lo- why are you doing that for me? It's because you want to be salt and light in our community. You want to be such a light that people want the light that you have, the life that you have, and your response is, God, is for you and so am I, Right? God is for you, and so are we. Because you see, it's hard to reach people who don't like us, isn't it? Because there's a bias against us. Isn't it, sometimes you, you cringe if someone asks if you go to church or if you say you're a Christian or what you believe in, right? And we want to be able to tell them, hey, listen, you might say no to us, but we're still going to say yes to you. We are still for you regardless if you are for us or not. Oh, well, I don't believe in Jesus. I don't believe in Jesus. Well, we believe in you. And we believe Jesus believes in you. So we're still gonna be for you because that's who we are. It's not something we do. That's who we are. That's who I am. That's who you are because you get this. Because this is what you want to be known for. So back to that question What do you wanna be known for? How would you answer that question? Uh, I hope to be a great boss. Um, I hope that people around me say good things and love me because I'm a great parent, spouse, leader, whatever it is, a great business owner, a great employee, whatever it is. And I hope you have those things in your list. I hope you have those things. But I also hope when you answer this question, you be salt and light to our community. That's a part of it. Because when you do, it'll affect the way you live. It'll affect the way you view your relationships. It'll affect everything you do. And it'll be so freeing. It'll be so full because it's exciting. It's fun. It's surprising. And you will be the salt and light our communities so desperately need. And then if we individually do these small little things separately, they'll grow exponentially together. And it will cause the perspective of the church to change corporately. For everyone in Hamilton Mill. Because you see, you might not be able to change the world, but you can change your world. That's your dent in the universe. This is our dent in Hamilton Mill. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are so good that just uh, you would allow us to be your representatives, to make an invisible God visible. So help us do that. Help us be salt and light wherever we go. Because this world so desperately needs it. We desperately want it. We want everyone to be like that, to have that hope, to have that desire, to have that relationship with you that gives us a full life and allows people to know that you love them and you are for them. you are not angry at them. So thank you. Thanks that we get to be a part of your plan. Help us do that. This is not easy, but Lord, help us focus on it. Help us answer that question, what do we want to be known for? And we want to be known for being for the person right in front of me, for the community. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.